Amen. Invite the children to children in worship uh, through that door, K through third grade. So, uh, hello, everybody. Good to, good to see you. Um, for those that may be, uh, uh, you know, new to the community, that's not usually how I'm greeted, but, and you may be wondering who I am. Um, but, uh, I've been doing this gig now for almost 12 years and, uh, the, uh, Powers that be decided he needs a three-month break. So we'll give him a sabbatical for these uh, three months. Actually, it's it, I make light of that. It's something that's in the, uh, the, the guidelines of the church to do that for actually in certain ways for all the staff after a certain amount uh, of time. So um, I uh, was uh, given a wonderful gift and entrusted by you and everyone else that is a part of this community with with three months uh, without any responsibility here. Matter of fact, strict orders to stay away from here and not participate in any way of which I obeyed. Um, said, I will obey that. You can ask my wife. She'll tell you that, uh, that I did. And, um, and it was a wonderful time in a lot of ways. I wrote a little article in Bell Tower News there. It uh, talks a little bit about it. Pick one of those up and I'll talk further about it. Set up some stuff in January, a couple Tuesday, three Tuesday evenings, just to, um, uh, some of the stuff that, uh, did dig deeper into, um, and, how it relates to us. Um, but the the real sense of the time, well, one thing that was um, an, an aha over these three months that took a while to get there was to really hang out with God without an agenda. You know, that's, I think, how I would define Sabbath. That you don't... Work, you know, that's sort of the, the letter of the law. You're not working. You're not accomplishing. You don't have a list. You know, you set aside the lists and you just walk. Literally, that's what I did a lot. I just hiked. Um, sometimes in the Grand Canyon. Um, other times just in the woods in a variety of places. And there, it was there and it was in those times that I had no agenda that there are some of the ahas, even the you're, rel- you're welcome, aha, I think I shared in this um, article. But that, that was a gift that would take three months to get there. So I'm eternally in debt to you for that time of really practicing, getting to live into truly having no agenda and being with God um, it's not a, it's, it's, I don't necessarily recommend it. It's good, but it's not necessarily fun because there's sometimes in those, if I have an agenda, you know, then I'm sort of where, what we're talking about. But when God has an agenda, he tends to go into the depth of sin and evil within me. And the, and the hardest part about that is, God, I know you've been telling me that for a long time. That, that continued, what, what was true now of how God in His wonderful disciplining love revealed to me of my sin. He's been doing that for a while. Maybe some of you 
can relate uh, to that. But anyway, that that is a gift. So thank you for that and for the staff that were here that carried on things in wonderful ways, which is also a real a real gift. And just so you know, they did welcome me in full frivolity by decorating my office uh, with gold um, uh, fabric just spread everywhere and balloons of every color. And then I think they cleaned out a lot of spaces in the church and every piece of artwork since uh, 1910, I think they brought in and hung on the wall. So it was quite an experience my first day in the office. So they did that. So, but again, thank you. Um, and it's an honor then to, to come up and uh, to look in at God's Word on this first Sunday of Advent. This, this season that we've set aside in order to prepare, in a sense sort of Sabbath-like, to say we, when, when it comes to Christmas, we don't want to say, thank God Christmas is over. We want to say, thank God Christ Jesus is alive. Thank God Christ Jesus was born, for he is our hope. And as the, the Kirshner shared with us, our word for this morning is hope. And how we, we wait in hope. How we experience that hope. And what we'll do, we'll look particularly at the, the uh, story of the Magi, the wise men. It's in Matthew chapter 2. Um, uh, found on 783 of your pew Bible. And you can turn there or follow along on the, the screen as we see how they, how they really exhibit Christian hope in, uh, in their lives. So let's, let's pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks for your written word as it speaks to us of your truth, as it points us indeed to, to Christ who is our eternal hope. Even in the midst of hopelessness, he is our hope, and we are thankful for that. So continue to feed that hope. Continue to, to develop that, root it even more, so that your hope is the real anchor of our soul. In Jesus we pray. Amen. All right, Matthew chapter 2. I think, um, too, while I was gone, the lights in here got dimmer or something like that, and... Uh, so, I, you know, I think I'm just going to have to, I'm sure it's y'all's fault, not my eyes. Um, so, in the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising, and we've come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. 
And when you found him, bring me word so that I may also go and pay homage. When they'd heard the king, they set out. And there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then opening their treasure chest, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I, the, the the first thing I want to look at here in this passage is, is the first you know phrase, two phrases there. In the time of King Herod, you, you might think of that phrase as one. Well, he's just telling us when it is, you know, when this happened. This is chronology, just so we know where, what number it fits in, and what date. And that's not the case. I mean, he does that, but he, he has much more meaning than that. Here, He wants you to know this is the season of life in Israel. This is in the season of the days of King Herod. And it's in this season that hope is born. It's in this season that we'll find not only wise men like here, but we'll find shepherds, we'll find angels, we'll find prophets of old like Simeon and Anna who are included in the stories and beginning stories of Matthew, the beginning stories of Luke. And they rejoice. In this season at the birth of this baby. It's in this season that hope is born. It's in a hopeless season. Because Herod was not a friend of the Jews. Now, uh, you you might be uh, considering yourself as you... Think about things in your own life or the things of our world. There's a lot of hopelessness. Or a lot of ways of just saying, this is hopeless. There is no way this is ever going to turn out better. You know, you, you might hear the, the stories of climate change and that it's getting warmer and warmer and the ice caps are melting. The water is going up. What can you do about that? Turn off your lights. You know, stop driving your car. What difference is that going to make? We continue to to see it reported over and over again. The sexual division and confusion and the, the rise of the Me Too movement that is devastating. Of just that division and that evil. We continue to see over and over again of racial division, economic division in our nation. Also, just this week, I read an article about the bug apocalypse. Anybody see that? How bugs are dying at an alarming rate. That might be for many of us. Praise the Lord. You know, that may be a sign that Jesus is coming back. Uh, The only problem is that bugs do a lot of good stuff. You know, like particularly honeybees. Not only make honey, but on top of that, they then pollinate, you know, plants so that things grow. And if those are gone, how, a bunch of us are going to have to be walking around with yellow fingers and putting it in times all kinds of flowers so that things will grow. Also, just this week, the CDC, the um, Center for Disease Control in Atlanta, said you know, the life expectancy in the United States has, for the last three years, has either stayed the same or gone down. And they're like, what, what is causing that? Uh, to have three years in a row 
And they're like, well, that the the rise largely can be attributed to death through addiction, whether alcohol or drugs. But even more powerfully so, the highest rising cause, it's made it into the top ten. Now, along with cancer and heart attacks, is suicide. That's the fastest growing cause of death in America. So you could say, oh, man, (laughs) this is hopeless. And and you, you may have, even in your own life, situations that seem absolutely hopeless. That's why Matthew wanted to include, it's in the time of King Herod. You see, this is the time when, when the Israelites were oppressed. They, they were living in, in their homeland and yet the government was Roman. And so they paid taxes to the Romans in order to take care of things all other places and keep those in power rich and to continue to keep them poor. They were an oppressed people. Now, now Herod did build a temple uh, for them, a wonderful, beautiful building. But the, that even that got frustrating for the Jews of the day because Herod actually was Jewish by name, but not by practice, really. He wasn't a pious Jew because he also spent a lot of money building memorials to Greek gods and pagan temples. So for some, the, 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 the temple that Herod built was soiled because of his duplicity. And, and Herod as well, the one thing that Herod, one of the things that Herod did very well was maintain his position of power. If you were a rival of Herod and you were discovered, you were executed. He had a whole litany of folks that he killed so that he would remain in power. One of his sons was thought to start a rebellion, you know, to try to take his place. And Herod, in his paranoia, killed him, then killed his second son, then killed his third son, and then heard, surmised that his wife was planning a rebellion and had her beheaded. He was the leader. He was the king, the president of the Jews. It's in that time. So to say that it's in the time of Herod would be like saying to a German Jew, it is in the time of Adolf Hitler that hope was born. How in the world does that happen? But yet, that is what God does. In those days, in the days... And and what we find out from Herod... I didn't read the rest of the story. You can read the rest. But you can see how Herod's conniving, trying to use the wise men to find out where Jesus was. And then when he does, the wise men don't go back to him. And what he does then is have the slaughtering of the innocent. He kills all the children, two years and younger, in order to wipe him. That's how paranoid and how evil... His actions were when it came to keeping um, his power. But in the midst of that, there is celebration. 
in the midst of that, the, the wise men, they, they follow the star. They come upon the child and there they're overwhelmed with joy. And there they give all their gifts of great value and lay them at this baby's feet because he is the one that the prophets have spoken about. He is the one that God has brought among them to fulfill God's promises. He is the sign that God is fulfilling his promises of old and he is, he has not deserted us. That's why, as they quote from Micah and Samuel here, as they give that to Herod, they say, he is the one who will shepherd my people Israel in the place of such a despotic ruler like Herod. Here is one who will now be a servant king who is being born. So they celebrate the wise men do and the other stories around it, whether it's the prophets, whether it's the shepherds or the angels, there is a celebration because what God has said, God will do. This is Christian hope. It is the earnest anticipation of God fulfilling God's promises, even in hopeless situations. And what the wise men have is the fulfillment of a prophecy that's over 500 years old. I mean, what Micah said was 500 years before. What what we read at the beginning in Jeremiah, that the Lord will be our righteousness as we lit lit the, the, the candle. That was by Jeremiah. That was over 500 years ago. Matter of fact, Jeremiah made that promise when the people of Israel were in exile. When, when the Babylonians had come through and totally wiped the place out, just like the, the fires in, in uh, Paradise, California. If you saw those pictures or Michael, that storm that, that came through Florida, how everything was, well, that's what Jerusalem would have looked like. In the midst of that, Jeremiah was standing forward and saying, God is our righteousness. A day will come that he will make all of this prosper and green and fruitful. That's Christian hope. So now Jesus' birth now becomes this hope that is fulfilled for for the wise men. But for us, it is now a, a hope that we live into. We know what Jesus accomplished. We know what his birth accomplished. We know how what Jeremiah said became true in Jesus. That the Lord is our righteousness. We know now in Jesus that he is a suffering king. He's not a king like Herod. He's not one using whatever powers he can to take care of himself. But he uses his power in order to serve and love any and all. We, we have seen, we, we know that Jesus came to die. And that's what we're, we're going to celebrate. That's, that's what we gather at the table for. That he who lived a perfectly righteous life. Completely in perfect relationship with God the Father. He now takes our place who are unrighteous, who are undeserving of God's love, who are separated from God. He takes our place so that we might take his. That indeed he is our righteousness. So that we can be one, united with the Father together as his people. That's hope that has been fulfilled. 
the life and death and resurrection of Jesus has fulfilled those promises of God the Father. He has given us His righteousness. And so whoever believes in Him, whoever is in Him, we get what Jesus deserved because He got what we deserved. In His death, in His, in his life, in His death, in His resurrection... He has defeated sin. He has defeated evil. He has defeated death. And he has fulfilled the judgment and wrath of the Father on our behalf. So these wise men, they are the ones who embody this Christian hope. Well, for us, what they were hoping for has already been fulfilled partially. But now we join with them. We have a hope with them. Just as Jesus came the first time as the suffering king, he will come back the second time as the ruling Lord. And he will come with a new heaven and a new earth. And he will greet all those who are in him who are still alive and those that are dead. He will rise up and he will give them glorified bodies. There will be no evil in that world. There will only be love, not, not hatred. There will only be justice, not injustice. There will be total and complete equality before him and total and complete unity before him. We, we know those stories. Those are the, the prophets that we have read of what is to come. But that is waiting for that second coming. That he will bring that to fruition. So in that way, we're like the wise men who are hoping in God to fulfill his promises. And what I think you see here is that they were waiting and working in that hope. Waiting and working. And the word hope and wait, you know, like we sang the song based on Isaiah, that this is those that wait upon the Lord. That word translated wait, that Hebrew word, it also translated hope. You just as easy to say those that hope upon the Lord. Those that wait upon the Lord. They are interchangeable. But the, that waiting is an active waiting. It's a, it's a, a waiting, a, a holding on, a persevering, a, a patience, an eager anticipation for the fulfillment of God's promises. I mean, think about Jeremiah's promise was made 500 years before Jesus was born. So it's not just uh, an individual. This is a whole community that holds these promises and passes them on from generation to generation so that 500 years later, somehow those promises got to these wise men who are probably from modern-day Iraq or Iran. They're Persian. They're not even Jewish. They're looking at the stars, but they also know the word. They're the one that tells King Herod, hey, this is the prophecy that the word talks about in Micah and Samuel. And that, that promise has been carried and waited on for centuries and now fulfilled in Jesus. And then they're also working that hope. It's not just a, alright, I'll wait, I'll go do my thing and someday that'll be fulfilled. They are working, they are living into that hope. I mean, they're still looking at the stars. They're, they're, they're studying them. They're, they're knowing and studying the word. They are gathering together. They see the star. Then they follow it. They're waiting and they're working according to that hope. Seeking and searching for God's fulfillment. 
An eager anticipation for God's promises to be filled even in hopeless situations. To make all things new. That day will come when indeed He will be our righteousness. And He will completely destroy evil and rebellion and its resulting destruction that is real in us and is real in our world. That same hope we have today. That, that same hope that we know that Jesus fulfilled in his first coming, he will fulfill in his second. And that's what we're waiting for. That's why we come and, and sing together. Those that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. That's why we come and sing together that Christ is our hope. That he is our cornerstone. Because there's all, as I've already given. Now, we don't have to go look in the newspaper. We can just go look in the mirror. And say, Jesus, come back and save me from myself. That, that, and if, 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 if you look in the mirror and you think you look good, that's all right. Maybe you need to go look in the newspaper or ask the person next to you. But this is what Peter called our living hope. That it's a living hope. It's a vibrant hope. It's not a hope in something. It's a hope that is alive in our relationship with the living God. It is, Peter says in chapter 3 of his uh, epistle, he says that it is the anchor of our soul. Our hope in Christ is the anchor of our soul. But it's it's alive. It needs to be fed. That's why we gather and worship. That's why we gather and read through the scriptures. One of the things that, that uh, Kathy and I did on sabbatical is we did the gospel project with you. We're we're tracking with you. We just, just finished like you did with Jacob and Esau. And over and over and over again, you read in Genesis, you see, you say, man, these folks are dysfunctional. They make me look good. They, they look, I'll make our family look normal. You know, and yet these are the mothers and fathers of the faith. God is faithful. Even with us knuckleheads, as Ralph Williams calls us. Now that, that he is faithful and able. So we, we, we have to gather together and remember this is the case. And that's why we sing. That's why we worship. That's why we read the word. That's why we encourage and support one another. And then we're working towards this hope. And, and this, this to me is the best news of all. That we're working towards this hope. Because here's the deal. If this is God's plan, which I believe it is, and if God is faithful, and I believe God is, then in God's time, God will do what he says. There is no doubt. I don't know. Climate change may flip around. Who knows? Who knows? We might, the locusts might come back in huge number next week. You know, no bug apocalypse. Who knows? But this, I know, will be the eternal purpose of God's creation, to live into the fullness of God's character. And so here's the deal. If, if we're working according to that hope, we can't fail. We're going to bat a thousand. Now, it's, it's like this. It's like this. I don't play the lottery. I don't encourage anybody to. It's really a very stupid mathematical decision. You know, it, it, you're, you're better off taking that money and putting it in something else, you know. 
Tell, get, get with Daryl, put that money, invest it in a house. You know, Daryl will help you buy a good one. Now, yeah, you like that one? That was a word of hope for you there, brother. You know, but don't, don't play butts. If God gave me a word and said, here are the lottery numbers, I'm going to go play it right after church. Because it's not a waste of time, man. It's not a waste of money. Right? And I mean, I know that this is going to pay off. The work that you do to grow in love for God and to grow in love for neighbor and grow in love for enemy, that's not a waste of time. You can't help but succeed in doing that if you're in Christ Jesus. Oh, it may not seem like it. it. It may seem like, like with me, I've been battling the same sin over and over and over again. And the Lord brings it up every decade of my life. But the work towards his kingdom, even in my own sinfulness, will succeed, will have eternal impact, will be real. And here's the other thing. Everything else that's not in alignment with his kingdom is a waste of time. Now, there are certain things that we do to live into this world and all, all, all of that. So I, I not, I, I don't, don't, don't hear me so that you say you're so heavenly minded you have no earthly good. No, this truth, being Christian hope means you're so heavenly minded you can't help but be of earthly good. Because you're living according to the way of the kingdom. Because you know that is what we will be doing for all of eternity. And you have a hope that God is faithful to his promises and will fulfill them. So everything that we do in sharing God's word, in in sharing the love of Jesus, in in word and in deed with others, it, it, it may fall on deaf ears. But you're in alignment with the kingdom. You're not a failure at all. You are proclaiming the goodness of God. You are joining in that eternal praise of God's glory and His goodness. And the love of Jesus. You, you may be working in, 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 in your work, in your business. In, in, in whether it's in um, whatever you might be doing to help others flourish. In education or in health. And you might, in other things, whatever that business might be. And you might say, man, we're just spinning our wheels. You know, the numbers keep going down and down and down. Well, study that. Make the See what you need to do to make the numbers go up. But it does not matter if the numbers are going down today. If what you are doing is in alignment with the kingdom of God and the flourishing of his creation. As hopeless as it looks, our hope is based on Jesus coming back and bringing that new heaven and new earth. And that's why we continue. That's why we continue like the wise men to look for the stars, to follow them, and to celebrate every time we see Jesus, even if it's just a glimmer. He gives us those signs along the way. Now, I know for, for some of you, as there were in first service, and there are a couple folks that, man, they are in hopeless situations. And it really feels that way. And the answer, to, to it isn't just blind hope. There's a place, the, the yin and yang is hope and lament. There's a place for lament. 
You remember Jesus on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Well, he's quoting from Psalm 26, which then goes on and ends with hope that the writer says, it feels like you've forsaken me, but I will trust in you. So there's a place for lament. Now, that, this, is, this is not just to sort of sweep that under the rug. There's a place for... But we lament even as those with hope because we know even though it looks hopeless, one day Jesus will return and make all things right. Our Christian hope is an eager anticipation for God's fulfillment of God's promises, even in the midst of hopeless situations. Amen.